When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is great to have you here with us on the Clark Howard Show podcast. And if you are new to podcasting, you want to know more how it works, how to subscribe, go to clark.com slash podcast. And we're always here to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So we try to look at areas where you really need information that helps you make the best decisions with your wallet. And there are many ways for you to take better control of your wallet. And there are different approaches. There is no one right approach in order for you to take control. But I want to take this in a direction right now that is something that for a lot of people is uncomfortable when I talk about this. And it involves the two largest purchases or expenses most of us have in our lives. They're what we spend on housing and what we spend on transportation. That those two decisions have uh, really the most to do with what kind of financial condition we're going to be in down the road. One thing I wanted to share with you is a lot of people came of age and households where they were told the greatest ticket to long-term wealth is the home you have. Buy the biggest home you can possibly afford because that's what's going to make you wealthy. And I know, Krista, you were always told that by your dad growing up, right? True, yep. I don't think he, he just, I mean, he didn't do that himself. Um but it was more missed opportunities. Like he, there was a house in our town that ended up being worth a lot more eventually. And he didn't ever move on it. We lived in the same house my whole life. And so it was that sort of like regret that he had that made me think, Oh, real estate is where it's at. And there are opportunities to make money in real estate. Joel has five doors now, Five rental properties. Is that where you still are holding at five? That's right. Holding at five. Yeah, because you're not finding any deals right now to buy more. Not too many. And those five doors of yours are creating enormous financial security and a solid financial future for you and your family. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it has been... I think some people talk about investing in real estate as passive income. That's the phrase thrown around. And it's certainly not that. <laughs> uh, it really is kind of like a part-time job investing in real estate. But if, you, if you're into it and you are, are thoughtful and smart, yeah, you can build wealth over time doing it. And so here I am, somebody who from when I was 22, buying my first foreclosure and real estate having been a big part or a part of building my financial security and independence over time, how am I now going to tell you that real estate is only 
one possible way of building financial security and the house you live in can actually create financial insecurity for you because the house you live in depreciates over time not appreciates and how does that fit because you know that you got this friend who bought this house for x number of dollars and sold it later for y dollars it was 50 percent more than what he or she paid for it how could i say that because the value the intrinsic value is in the land a house sits on not the structure that sits on that land because houses continually lose value because they have to be repaired maintained things have to be fixed replaced the air conditioning croaks out on you on a hot july day the roof has to be replaced whatever 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 there are always things that require maintenance and repair and ongoing attention and love and so if you bite off more than you can chew in a house because you've always been told stretch for that house it crowds out other things you might be able to do in your life so the idea and I'll give you an example when you go to pre-qualify for a mortgage what happens is you're told you qualify for a house of this cost based on current interest rates but the problem with that is that if you've been used to paying rent of so much a month and then you pre-qualified for this home loan where you're going to be paying twice as much to live and that's before the other expenses that go with home ownership you are going to be wheezing financially that stretch is going to break your wallet and you know tax laws have changed to the point where the advantage of owning your own home versus renting from a tax standpoint has been blown out of the water there is not a tax advantage of any meaningful amount and for most people no tax advantage to having a home with a mortgage versus being a renter you should look at the house you live in as your dream of where you want to live if you have a family where you raise your family and it should bring you joy doing that brings a sense of permanence for you and especially if you have kids for your kids but buying a house that busts the overall budget is brutal so when you are told you qualify for whatever instead think about your finances with what you've been paying for rent and if that is comfortable in your budget be careful about stretching 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 to buy a bigger and bigger house and always lie to your real estate agent by telling them your price point that you're interested in is less than what you really can buy because agents are always going to incrementally show you properties more expensive than you really intend to buy and you can really afford housing is the largest expense most of us have look what's been happening in the country i talked about this last year 
that people are migrating from the most expensive housing markets to places where they can actually afford a place to rent or buy. That people are finding that there's no more juice in that orange after they paid for very high-cost housing in the most expensive communities. So think about that. If people are actually picking up and moving to a completely different city or completely different part of the country just to afford where they're going to live, it says something very important to you about where you live in the community you are in. And yes, you want good schools. And yes, you want a good neighborhood. And yes, you want that nice yard. But there are millions and millions and millions and millions of homes. And a third of us rent. Lots of places you can rent. So it's all a matter of being persistent to find something that fits within your budget. And I know you've been really, really tempted by today's extremely low mortgage rates to buy a bigger house or more house or whatever. But know this, that what's happened is because the interest rates have been so low, it has had the effect of pushing up home prices. So if you are going to buy a home that maybe is a little bigger than you intended, a little fancier than you had been looking at because you just are so excited about those interest rates. Remember, home prices compensate somewhat in their rise for the lower interest rates. So you need to own that home longer than you may initially intend. I want you now to really, really think of any home you buy is being one that you'll own for seven years or longer to best preserve and protect your wallet. And after a brief break, I'm going to take some of your questions about mortgages and other housing-related issues. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this podcast, we've been talking about where housing fits in your budget and in your life and There are a lot of specifics that people just want to know the best way to do. And so you've been posting questions for me in this area. And Krista, who do you have a question from? Thomas in Florida says, if I wish to purchase a home for $300,000 and I have $100K, is it better to A, borrow $200K and add it to my $100K, or B, borrow the full $300 and use the $100K as a large down payment? I really love for you to have as large a down payment as works for you and then use it as a way to take out a shorter mortgage if you can afford it. I am obsessed with the 15-year mortgages, as both Krista and Joel have heard from me forever, because the 15-year loan, which is much more along the lines of what people have done around the world, except here in the United States, the 15-year mortgage gets you building equity 
right away, where with a 30-year loan, you build no meaningful equity for a long, long time. You pay a higher interest rate on a 30-year than a 15. Uh, lenders know that you're a much less risky borrower in a 15 because people who take out a 15 virtually never, ever default. And that's one of the reasons lenders will give you shave the rate just even a little more on a 15-year loan than a 30. And so if you put down a very, very large down payment, it means that your remaining balance is in the range where you could take that shorter loan, build that equity, and even if you don't stay in that property 15 years, you will have built up a substantial amount of additional equity and your pay down a principal over time. So I love for you to do a large down payment. It means that you instantly are very secure in that property versus somebody who puts down little or no down payment. If something happens in their lives and they need to bolt from that property, they may be upside down, owing more on it than what they'll get for it after real estate commissions. So I am a big uh, advocate for large down payments, and I would go for it. Joel? Clark Ed in New York says, my son's currently enlisted in the U.S. Navy. He's thinking about buying a house in the future using a VA loan. Can you advise on the pros and cons of buying a home using a VA loan versus getting a conventional loan? Thanks in advance for your advice. Well, and thank your son for his service to our country in the U.S. Navy. So someday I should have my uh, retired Navy officer brother Gary talk about how he was assigned to submarine duty and discovered that he had claustrophobia and his result ended up instead in the middle of the Vietnam War. It's quite a story. Anyway, um, the, the advantage of the VA loan is exactly the opposite of what I was just talking about. With a conventional loan and having a very large down payment, you have equity right from the get-go. The beauty of the VA loan is the costs typically are low, very easy to qualify. Uh, you don't have to bring any meaningful money to the table, and you're good to go. So a lot of people who serve in the U.S. military, as much as we tell our brave men and women of the U.S. military how much we value them, we don't in their paychecks. There's not a lot of extra money lying around to do down payments. And so the VA financing offers a fantastic opportunity for people who might not be able to come up with the down payment money to get into a home. Krista? Nicole says, hi, Clark. I called my bank to refinance, and my banker suggested that I instead take out a home equity loan. I purchased my condo in 2018 with a fixed 5.2% rate. My credit score is in the low 700s. My property value has since more than doubled. I was also hoping to do about $8,000 in renovations and pay off some debt. The interest rates the banker gave me varied between 2.9 and 3.5% based on repayment terms of 15 to 30 years. By the way, I've listened to you since the beginning of the pandemic and you've been such a huge help. Thank you. Well, you were kind to say that, and I'm uh, really puzzled. You said, Krista, uh, at the very beginning, that she was being encouraged to take out a home, 
equity loan instead of doing a refi. Yes, and her her mortgage is at five five point two percent. I don't understand that advice at all, particularly with where your credit score is. I think without doubt you would want to do the refi, add in the small number of improvement dollars you need, and your value's gone up so much you're not going to have any trouble qualifying for today's exceptionally low rates. And getting out of that 5.2 down to somewhere below 3% seems like that's an automatically good decision to make. Leaving that existing loan in place and doing a home equity loan, if that's what you understood the banker to say, that makes zero sense to me. I was going to ask you, Clark, when I read this, I was thinking, like, do do some banks offer incentives for their employees to do more, like, HELOCs in a month or something? Like, maybe they want to open more HELOCs, yes. I've never heard of that for a fixed-rate home equity loan. Um, and this points out how key it is that when you are doing a refinance especially, that you get quotes from all over the place. And you're talking about a banker. Credit unions almost always offer better mortgage loans than banks do. And if you're not a member of a credit union yet, you should join one. Most credit unions, you can see their range of mortgage interest rates right online. And that could help you make a decision on which credit union you would join near you. Love for you to go to a mortgage broker and get quotes from him or her. Mortgage broker is a salesperson that gets quotes from multiple lending sources. And having the credit union, the existing bank you have the loan with, having the mortgage broker, you're going to be able so much better to know what the best deal is going to be for you. But hands down, doing a refi into a new mortgage makes absolute sense. If you're not sure how long you're going to stay in the property, you can even do a lower no closing cost refinance where you take a little bit higher interest rate but don't have to worry about payback period to overcome the closing costs that you would have. Joel? Clark Eileen's got uh, a couple more questions about refinancing. She's confused about interest rates, points, and closing costs. And also wondering... Who isn't confused about those? (laughs) She's also wondering, are interest rates going to go down even more this winter? So let's deal with the last question first. If I were to bet, which anytime you try to guess interest rate directions, it is a bet. It is a gamble. It is not based on empirical truth. Even the brightest people in financial markets can guess wrong on this. But the odds are, with us having scraped the bottom on historically low levels on mortgage rates and inflation becoming a little bit more of an issue, I think that we are as low as rates are going to go, barring some extremely unexpected event in the world, and that rates aren't going to go skyrocketing, but I think we're going to see rates gradually rise from the very low levels they've been at. So I would not try to time it. The rates are so good, I would go ahead and shop. And, and, you know, I was just talking about where you shop, but then with each lender, you can take a simple sheet of paper and you put down the interest rate you're quoted, the closing costs they're quoting, that they now are required to disclose to you. And then the third thing is points. 
points or something that makes people's heads spin. A lender stacks extra profit into originating a loan with you by charging you points. Each point is 1% of the amount of money you're borrowing. It does nothing for you. Uh, There are people who will do a different kind of point where you buy down the rate. Where um, I have a nephew who chose to buy down a rate on a property. He knew he was going to keep the loan, was able to buy it down to two and a quarter percent, figured out his payoff time was nine years, two months, and he decided that was worth it to him. And that's a rare circumstance. But most points are just a junk fee that are put into the deal. So when you are talking to the credit unions, when you're talking to a bank, when you're talking to a mortgage broker, you write down what each quote is looking at the rate, the closing costs, and the points. You can't just look at the rate because if you miss very high expenses on points or closing costs, you think you found the cheapest deal, but it may not be. So that's why you have to look at them all combined. And we have on Clark.com a tool for you to try as best you can to figure out which of the offers you have is actually going to be your best lowest cost overall deal. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you're interested in subscribing to our podcast, that is so easy. Clark.com slash podcast. We have two versions of our podcast. One is where you listen to the ads. The other, you pay a subscription fee and you get the podcast commercial free. It is your choice which way you want to go with that. And I want to tell you, when you are trying to figure out the answer to a question you have, go to clark.com slash ask, post it, and you may well have Krista or Joel asking your question for you. Have a great day.